We celebrate you. Welcome to Lofty Heights Christian Center, a ministry that exists to raise kingdom influencers. As a church, we emphasize three things. The Word, the integrity of it and its ability to transform, the Holy Spirit, His power and demonstration of the same, and love, love for God, for yourself, and for others. You are about to experience God's undiluted Word from God's servant, Pastor Wali Tejumade. Get ready for a transformation. So Jeremiah, the book was actually written by uh, the same author, the same person or the same character, you know, that, um, um, you know, whose story sums up the entire book, the book of Jeremiah. What does the name Jeremiah mean? The Jeremiah as a name simply means Yahweh will raise. Yahweh will raise. Hallelujah. Amen. So why was the book of Jeremiah written? Why was the book of Jeremiah written? If you take a look at Jeremiah chapter number 1, verse 5, you would see how very precious and important Jeremiah was to God. Jeremiah chapter number 1, verse 5. I'm sure it is, it is scripture, it's a verse that we all, we all have quoted, or most of us would have, you know, come across a number of times. He says, before I formed you in the womb, <clears throat> I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I need to just, you know, emphasize or just bring out the lesson, the fact that Jeremiah was a young prophet. As a matter of fact, some Bible scholars say that his account of all the prophets he was the one who went through turbulent times the most. Because God was giving him a message to give to the people, and the same God was telling him they were adding their heart. I mean, very similar to what happened to um, Moses and Pharaoh. God bless you, Mr. Lois. Very similar to what happened to Moses you know, and Pharaoh. All right. So Jeremiah chapter number 1, verse 5, that was what I just read to you right now. I think very quickly we should just, you know, review some books, you know, I mean, some chapters or some verses, you know, in the same book. But I also need, I, sh I think I should also give a further context. You'd remember that, you'd remember how um, um, the people of God, the Israelites, you know, were taken or captured as captives, you know, kidnapped, taken to Babylon, right? By the Babylonians. Right, you'd remember Ezra and Nehemiah, how they saw the ruins of the, of the temple, the walls was broken and all of those. So this book of Jeremiah was actually one of the books, I mean, um, um, God's words or prophecies, you know, that God gave to Jeremiah concerning um, Jerusalem, Judah, you know, and they got people generally as to what is to befall them. So it was a prophecy of what is going to happen, you know, in respect to their captivity, you know, in Babylon. So as at the time when Jeremiah received this, you know, they've not fully been captured, you know, by the Babylonians. Are you all together with me tonight? Yes, so this was um, an account of God speaking to someone and saying, okay, so 
Because these people have not been walking in my ways. Because they've not been doing my bidding. Because they've not been, you know, they've abandoned me. They've been following other gods. So these are the things that would happen to them. Then God needed someone to be a voice. And he called forth Jeremiah. And such that Jeremiah would not, you know, be checkered or be concerned about the, his, his young age. That was why the voice of the Lord came to him in verse 5 of chapter number 1. That before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And as a matter of fact, God gave Jeremiah to his mom. Right? Just for the purpose of him being able to be God's mouthpiece in that time, that season. You get it? If you take a look, um, he said, before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. The good news I have for us all is that whatsoever thing God said concerning Jeremiah, the same way God knew Jeremiah before he formed Jeremiah in Jeremiah's womb, the same way God sanctified Jeremiah, you know, before he was born, the same way God ordained Jeremiah before Jeremiah was birthed, is the same way God thought of you before you were formed in your mother's womb. It is the same way you've been sanctified from the womb even before you were born. It is the same way God ordained you, you know, even before you were born. I have a couple of, um, um, you know, chapters and verses I'd like us to just touch on. Do you have anything to share on just peripheral introductions before we begin to delve into chapters and verses? Or we should go straight to chapters? I have something, sir. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir, again for the privilege. God bless you, sir. Um, the book of Jeremiah is one book of the Bible that I, I love so much. Mm -hmm. And the book of Jeremiah, it's, I love how when I read the book of Jeremiah, I can see what God is saying in the New Testament. So I can read a verse in the book of Jeremiah and then immediately I can think of something in the New Testament that further explains what the book of Jeremiah says. Man. And I also love how that in the book of Jeremiah, it shows us how that God trains a man. And he disciplines a man. Mm. And I think that's one thing that I really love about um, this book of the Bible. Thank you, sir. Amen. So, um, did you have, do you have anything to say on Jer Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5? I know that at some point you've been um, a student of the, of the word. I'm sure you would have confessed and, uh, you know, professed and then declared it. Have you? Yes, sir. Amen. Glory yes, sir. to Jesus. So, when I think about Jeremiah 1, verse 5, the first scripture that comes to my mind is Ephesians 1. From verse 4 to 5. Mm. Ephesians 1 from verse 4 to 5. Do you want them to display that for you? Okay. Yes, okay. You. Yeah. So it says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before mm. him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now this scripture talks about a predestination, just like um, Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says. And then when we, when we see Romans 8, from verse 28 to 30, we see it again. If you can just have that scripture on the screen. Thank you. Romans 8. So it says, we know all things work together for good to those that love God. The next verse please. For whom he foreknew. Mm. So it wasn't just the prophet Jeremiah that God foreknew. Mm -hmm. It was all of us. Ephesians 1 says he chose us before the foundation of the world. Amen. So when I think about our scripture, I just think about it like, 
Oh, even before my father Abraham was born, God knew me. He predestined Amen. me. Hallelujah. Before the foundations of the world, he predestined me. Amen. And this scripture says, for he, for whom he foreknew, he it's also predestined. predestined. So if he knew me beforehand, he predestined me. Mm -hmm. He planned my destiny to be conformed to the image of his son, Hallelujah. that he might be the firstborn among, among the many, many brethren. brethren. Glory Hallelujah. to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus is our leader, firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let's see Jeremiah chapter number 9. Now I want to begin to, you know, touch on specific chapters and verses that, that stood up for me. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, Jeremiah chapter number 9, 23 to 24. This is a scripture that may, keeps me humble all the time. And I want to believe that a number of you watching this service, connected to this service right now, you know, at some point, you know, you, you would have, you know, heard me, you know, shared about this. Jeremiah chapter... Chapter number 9, 23 to 24. It says, For says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor let the rich man glory in his riches. 24. It says, But let him who glories glory in this. If you want to take pride on anything, you want to approbate anything to yourself. Let him who glories, glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I'm the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. Amen. So it, it simply, God was simply saying, if you want to brag, don't brag on how strong you are. How mighty man you are. What title you possess. What house you live in. What car you drive. Where you work. Don't brag about any of those material you know, and economic status. Brag in the fact that you know me. Little wonder Paul could say that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Brag in the fact that you know me. You know, so maybe you're under the sound of my voice tonight and you're one of those who... Um, you know, who is very quick, you know, to, to take glory for whatsoever thing God's done in your life. First Corinthians chapter number four, verse seven. It says, why do you brag? Why do you boast? Why do you act as though all that you have, you got it on your own? It says, can any man get anything except God gives to him? It says, there is nothing you have that God didn't give to you. Right? And that is the reason why even your position at work, the title you hold, the office you hold, the house you live in, everything is privilege. You get it? The moment you accept the Lordship of Jesus, you are yielding to the totality of everything that you have and everything you'd ever own. You are yielding everything straight unto God. So at that point, we cease to glory in anything that we possess. That's the reason, why, and I'm not saying this to brag, that's the reason why someone like me and my family, for example, there is nothing special about our home. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know other people in this ministry, don't let me bless, let me mention names. You know that God's blessed with palatial homes. They don't brag. I mean, as a matter of fact, festive season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever, the door to their beautiful home is as they fling it open. Wouldn't you like to live such a kind of life? Uh, someone would even walk in and say, oh, and you mean these guys are Christians? So that through you, others will know that, yes, you can be godly and be wealthy. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Glory to Jesus. Let's see um, Jeremiah 15, 16. This is one of my favorite, you know, scriptures or passages that I quote, you know, in the book of Jeremiah 2, 15, 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And they became the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. What does it mean to eat God's word? It means to take in whatsoever thing it says to you, plus his laws and whatever thing you discovered, you know, in his, in his word, to take everything to heart. It was the psalmist who says, thy words have I hid in my heart. Psalm 119 verse 105, I believe. It says that I may not sin against you. 119105, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Same psalmist declared, I have more understanding than my teachers. Why? Because your word has become a meditation. Amen. Glory to Jesus. So if you want to get more wise, you want to be wiser than your contemporaries, you want to be able to speak, you know, with the wisdom of God, give yourself to the study of God's word. You see, and as a ministry, I cannot overemphasize this. How some of you go through a full day, 24 hours, without flipping the pages of your Bible open, or without even opening up your Bible verse, not to study now, to just see what is the word for today, it beats me. Let me ask you, what scripture are you meditating on right now? If you want to check your growth, especially your affinity for the word, let me give you a clue. One of the best kept secrets to doing that uh, is to pick a verse of the scripture. Maybe one that you discovered in the course of your study that you want to meditate on. For, for example, this morning, we learned during the devotion that um, um, Jesus is the living water. Just this evening, as I was tidying up, you know, praying for this session, that word came to my mind again. What are you meditating on? Just one verse of the scripture. Just, just brood on it. For a day, for two days, for a week. For a week. You know, just contemplate on that word. Maybe something like this. Maybe anything that you find in the word. Write it somewhere that you can be seen. And just, you know, as you're contemplating and, you know, meditating, you know, on it, you are still speaking to the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, open up my heart and reveal the true riches, you know, of this word to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me give you the opportunity to... Thank you very much, sir. So the chapter you just talked about, Jeremiah 15, verse 16. That's my verse of the Bible. <laughs> no, I'm actually going to the next one. Okay, beautiful. <laughs> okay. Uh, can we please have um, the next verse in Amplified Classic? So when the prophet said this, then in the next verse, he said something. Verse 17. So he said, I sat not in the assembly of those who make merry, nor mm -hmm. did I rejoice. I sat alone because your powerful hand was upon me, for you had filled me with indignation. Mm -hmm. Verse 18 says, Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Now, the prophet was talking to God here. And he said, Will you indeed be to me like a deceitful brook? Talking to the Lord. Mm -hmm. 
And he said, like waters that fill and are uncertain. Talking to the Lord. Verse 19. The next verse. Therefore, thus says the Lord to Jeremiah. If you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, then I'll give you again a settled place of quiet and safety, and you'll be my minister. And if you separate the pressures from the vial, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness, you shall be my mouthpiece. But do not yield to them. Let them return to you, not you to the people. When I saw this verse in the scripture in the Amplified Classic, I was shocked. At first, I didn't really think about what the prophet was saying, but when I saw God's word, his reply, and said, if you give up this mistaken tone of distrust, then I would make you my minister. And it says, if cleansing your own heart from unworthy and unwarranted suspicions concerning God's faithfulness. This part of the scripture taught me that there is a way to speak to God. Amen. You don't just... And when I read God's reply, and then I thought about Jeremiah's his response or his, his words to God, will you be like me, like uh, a deceitful brook, uncertain? And I'm like, whoa, the prophet was bold. You know, but it, it taught me how to, it taught me how to speak to God that it's good to be vulnerable to God, but there's a way to speak to God. And you know, thinking about there's a scripture that came to my mind was Luke 1, um, 13 to 20, when the, the angel appeared to Zechariah mm -hmm. and was telling Zechariah, um, can we have Luke 1, um, verse 13 to 20 in the message translation. He was telling Zechariah, oh, your, your wife will give birth to a child. And Zechariah said something. And the angel said to him, you'll be deaf because of what, you'll be dumb because, because of, of what you just said. Mm -hmm. But if you read down, you see that the angel went to Mary as well. And Mary asked the angel a question. But the angel answered Mary. He didn't say, Mary, you'll be deaf or you'll be dumb or whatever. Because there's a way to speak to God. So, Verse 13, can you please give me the next verse? This was when the angel was telling him, you will give, your wife will give birth. The next verse, please. The next verse. He will turn many sons and daughters of Israel back to their God. The next verse. The next verse. Zechariah said to the angel, do you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man and my wife is an old woman. But the angel said, I am Gabriel, the sentinel of God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you will you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. So there's a way to speak to God. It's God, you, God is not, you know, I, I hear people say, I told God that. If, and it's like, God is not your mate. There's a way to speak to God. It's good to be vulnerable to God. But then when you read, when you read the, when you go down and read um, from verse 30 to 35, when you read Mary's response to the angel, it was not out of unbelief. It was not out of it was a, It was out of, it was out of, you found Curiosity, me worthy. Yeah. Yes. And she, her response was, how can this be? be yeah. It's not a, a thing of... Lonely me. Yeah, it's not a thing of... It's not a thing of Zechariah saying, how do you expect me to believe this? It was a thing of, Lord, I... Okay, I received your word, but I'm just curious. How can this be? You know, so there's a way to speak to God. And I read this verse and I think about... Because when I read the scriptures... I connect it. So I can be reading Hebrews and I'm connecting from Romans, I'm connecting from Acts, I'm connecting from different parts of the Bible. And then when you go to Hebrews 13 verse 5, the scripture clearly says, for God has said, so that we may boldly say something. Mm -hmm. So God says something and he expects you to respond. But the way that you should respond is based on his word. Mm -hmm. So when God gives you his word, he expects you to say in accordance with what he's saying. So the scripture in Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, for God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake, forsake you. Yeah. 
I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then the next verse says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Hallelujah. I will not be afraid what man will do what to me. So when you, when you receive God's word, respond accordingly. Don't, you, the scripture didn't say, oh, you receive God's word and then so that we boldly say, God, how can you help me? No, you respond according to the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory Amen. to Jesus. Can you please celebrate this to peace? Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. I want us to see um, Jeremiah chapter number 17, 5 to 8. I just want to quickly bring out something here, and I think we need to move a bit fast. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8, so that we can have more room for prophetic um, session. It says, Thus says the Lord, this is for those of you who are super skilled, you know, in casting your trust, you know, and trust, you know, on man. It says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Whose heart depart from the Lord. So it's not just about, there is a way you can trust a man so much such that man begins to become your God. That's what that scripture is talking about. It says, Whose heart depart from the Lord? It's not that you can't trust man. Huh? If your dad says, I'm going to give you this, it makes sense for you to trust him that he's going to do that. But that thing that you want your dad or that your dad has promised you to do, you know, for you or to you, as it cursed your heart to depart from the Lord. You know, there is something I've always taught those who worship here, especially those who are students. God is the source of your school fees. He uses your parent as a channel. I share that with many of them, you know, repeatedly. So much such that when you are praying and you're talking to God and you're, you know, communing or communicating with him, you know, in respect to anything that has to do with your academics, you're not, some of them have very wealthy parents. So they, they were wealthy, well-to-do. They had plans, projections at the point of sending you to school. A five-year program, for example. You do year one, year two, year three. In between year two and year three, something happened. Something went bad. Because of that, many have, you know, dropped classes, dropped school, and all of those. But if you begin to reckon with God as your source, you begin to trust God on the behalf of your parent to make provisions consistently available for them because of you. I don't know if anybody understands exactly what I'm talking about. So actually, because of you, God can look down on your parent and show them his mercy. Because of you, because of the way you serve in the Lord's house, because of your heart for God, because of your, of your involvement in the advancement of his kingdom, the Lord can cause, just because of you, because of your intercessions, you know, on behalf of your parent, to cause that contract your parents are pursuing, to cause it to pull through just because of you. The promotions your parents have been denied. The Lord can cause it to come through just because of you. That is, if you know God to be the source and not your parent, the Lord of all. So it says, for it shall be like a shrub in the desert. 
and shall not see when good comes. They shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Look at the opposite, verse 7. It says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord. For it shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. You know why that can happen? You cannot put your trust in the Lord and be let down. You know, many have given up hope in life. Or one of the reasons why many have given up hope in life is simply because of the disappointment they've experienced from people. The one who promised to, you know, be there with you through thick and thin, along the line, just dump you. Sometimes, I mean, for those who've lost, you have experienced loss of either mother or father before, when that happens freshly, you have uncles, aunts, you know, cousins, friends, family friends, your, you know, your, your you know, the, the parents' friends, you know, come around and say, oh, no, don't worry. We'll be there for you. We'll be there for you. Max one year, you won't see that brake light anymore. For some of them, not because they don't want you to see that brake light, but because they also have stuff they're also dealing with. May the Lord help us all not to put our hope and confidence in man. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see 29 verse 11, and I'd like you to take that. You wrote that out, all right? I knew you will. 29 verse 11. 29 verse 11. It says, well, I know the thoughts that I think You know what? You. Start from 10. Verse 10. Okay. So that oh, the, the intro that I made earlier on, mm -hmm. you know, that um, it was before the captivity, you know, that would, that would sink in. Jeremiah chapter 29 from verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word. Can you imagine? You. Yeah, no, did you hear that? 70, after 70 years. Okay, go ahead. And cause you to return to this place. Verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace are not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Wow. This, oh, oh, hold on sorry. a second. So I'm, I want to put you on the spot. Okay, sir. <laughs> right? If the grace is upon me, that such grace should be upon your life too, isn't it? Amen. Now, I need you, by the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, based on many of the teachings you've heard of me and the way I analyze the word, connect verse 10 and verse 11. Yeah, connect both together and bless the people with whatever God leads upon your spirit. Amen. Read verse 10 again. So All right? Verse 10. Let me help you. Let me give you a cheat code. Okay. You go back to how they were captured. Mm -hmm. And knowing that this was written before they were captured. Mm -hmm. So read verse 10. Connect to verse 11 and be a blessing to the people. Okay. Okay, sir. Well, when I've read this verse before, sir, I connect it. Maybe what I connected to might be different from where like, your heart may be. I'm not sure. But um, it says, when 70 years are over... I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you. And so it's, it's, it's a prophecy of God saying, okay, this is what is going to happen. But when these years are complete, I will bring you, into, I'll bring you back to this place. But when I read this verse of the scripture, well, maybe because I'm not thinking so much about the people of Israel. I'm thinking about myself. 
So I don't think about maybe what they were going through. I think about how it connects to me as a new creation. And so when I see that, I see it as a, I see it as connecting to Christ. And the reason why I say so is because I see the scripture and then I see Ephesians 2.10, mm -hmm. where the word of God says that, for you are my masterpiece, for we are God's handiwork. Mm -hmm. I see that scripture. And when I studied verse 11 very well, I realized that when God said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, it was not a mental perception. The word thoughts, the word that was translated thoughts there, it did not mean I'm thinking about you and my, think, my thoughts about you are good. It's more, it's the word, it, the word there means an invention. It's like an architectural design, a blueprint. So when I think about the scripture, it's like, okay, these things are going on. But when Christ comes, when the Messiah comes, when he dies and is resurrected, this is what is going to happen. It says the thoughts that I think towards you. So that word thoughts there is like a blueprint, a design. Think again, invent. So it's more like, for I know the blueprint that I've invented towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. So it's, it's more, it tells me that, okay, this is going on. But when Christ comes as a new creation, the, the invention, the blueprint, the destiny that the Lord has made for every new creation, it runs on peace Amen. and not of evil. And then I think about, because when I read the scripture, I like to, I like to elaborate things and just think widely about things. And then I look at peace. What does that word peace there? It's the word shalom, shalom. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just mean quietness. It's peace with prosperity. Yeah, it's peace that comes with health. It, it's peace that comes with completeness, soundness of mind. Please let's have Ephesians 2.10. And then I connect this 11 to Ephesians 2.10 that says, For we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work. So it tells me that a new birth a divine, a, an excellent destiny was launched into my spirit. It's in which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I connect this Ephesians 2.10 to Jeremiah 29 verse 11 again. And so it tells me that I have a divine destiny. And the blueprints, the design of this destiny is such that the operating system, it runs on peace. It runs on shalom, shalom. It runs on peace that comes Amen. with prosperity. It runs on soundness of mind, on soundness of health. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory, Glory to Jesus. Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. That was profound. Glory to God. When you begin from verse 10, you'd see God telling Jeremiah again what's going to happen to them in Babylon. Now, the connection I want to make between 10 and 11 is this. There may be times you're going through tough issues tough situations and you'll be wondering where is God where is God at you know in all of all these things because after God said to him say for thus says the Lord it says after 70 years they haven't gone to Babylon so now imagine God telling you you're going to be held captive for 70 years it's possible for you to just hear that you know and just lose hope it is finished that was why God had to give that assurance in verse 11 he says, after 70 years, in verse 10, he says, after 70 years, I completed a Babylon. I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. Then he says, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you. So don't think that that trial, that challenging situation, your exile in Babylon, that was not part of my original plan for you. Like you were talking about, you know, um, my thought for you is not, it's talking about um, um, like um, structural design, you know, the blueprint that I have for you. So my blueprint for your destiny is, you guys, is actually not to go to Babylon. But after you have done, you're done, spent 70 years then, 
to learn some lessons. Uh -huh. Then you'll come back home. Since because I know the plant that I have for you. In other words, the plant is not plant for Babylon. They're the plant for peace, for shalom, shalom. For good, for health. It says, for I know the plants that I have, that are the thoughts of peace. I mean, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thought of peace and not of evil. Because there can't be peace in Babylon. Bible says they were held captive and they were being asked to be singing Zion song. That was why that songwriter says, how shall we sing, you know, God's song in a strange land? It says, to give you a future and a hope because it's possible for you while exiling or, you know, being kidnapped in Babylon for you to lose sense of the future, for you to become hopeless, for you to think, oh yeah, this is the end of my life. I don't know if there is anybody like that right now. I can say to you, you may be going through what seems like a Babylon experience, but on the authority of God's word, I brought you this good news to let you know that that terrible, that uncomfortable, that discomforting situation you find yourself right now, it's not God's plans for you. What are his plans for you? It's plans for you, they are good. They are of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Verse 12, I love verse 12. Verse 12 says, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me. He says, And I will listen to you after you have learned the lessons. It's the stubbornness of your heart uh, that will cause you to be captured for 70 years in Babylon. That wasn't part of my plans for you. I just want you to know that. So after your release, I would then recreate, I mean, display to you and establish my blueprint for your lives. Then you call upon me. Then you'll find me and I will answer you. Celebrate Jesus. I pray for everyone under the sound of our voices tonight in the name of Jesus. That that Babylonian experience terminates tonight. Amen. By the power and the precious blood of the Lamb. As you partake of the Holy Communion, that Babylonian, listen, Babylonian experience is any experience that takes away your freedom. You've become a slave to things. Addicted to stuff. It's a Babylonian experience. You're living from hand to mouth. It's a Babylonian experience. Anything that is outside what Jesus died for on the cross of Calvary that you're going through, it's a Babylonian experience. That time in its night in the name of Jesus. I think finally in the book of Jeremiah, let's just see Jeremiah chapter number um, 31. And we'll see 31 to, through to 33. Jeremiah chapter number 31, verse 31 through to 33. Do you want to read? Are you there? Yes, sir. Verse 31 says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant mm -hmm. with the house of Israel mm -hmm. and with the house of Judah. Mm -hmm. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time. Listen to the new covenant now that God made. Go ahead. Declares the Lord. 
I will put my laws in their mind and write it on their hearts. Mm -hmm. I will be their God mm -hmm. and they will be my people. Amen. That's fine. The NKJV version says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their mind and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is no longer going to be a law written, you know, by man. Huh? It's talking actually about the work of the Spirit in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory Amen. to Jesus. You know, in Joel chapter number 2, verse 2, I believe, the Bible says that in that day, at the latter day, they are part of my Spirit upon all men, upon all flesh. You know, verse 34 here says, No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. Okay, for example... How can you have the Holy Spirit in you and you say you don't know the Lord? He teaches all things. Glory to Jesus. He teaches all things. He says, for they all should know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. For their sin I will remember no more. I want us to also very quickly see um, chapter 33 verse 19. And I think we'll just end it at that. Chapter 33, verse 19. Is that it? Yes, 33 verse, from verse number 19. When I make declarations and I declare, you know, boldly the word of the Lord or whatever the Lord lays upon my spirit, this scripture is one of the places where I draw the strength from. It says... And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, If you can break my covenant with the day, and my covenant with the night, so that there will not be day and night in the season, then my covenant may also be broken with David, my servant, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne, and with the Levite, the priest, my ministers. This is one of the reasons why, you know, as a believer, you must know. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. The day is going to dawn. As long as sun is still shining, huh? And the night is still coming up. God's covenant of peace, you know, remains permanent in you. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. I think we should just move on very quickly. Ezekiel has a little... But let's touch on the book of Lamentations. Hallelujah. Yes, I trust everyone. Okay. So if you don't mind, you, yeah, there's something that I really like about um, Jeremiah that I would just, you know, please go ahead. Opportunity I would yeah. just like to share. Um, and it's one scripture of the Bible that keeps me, that makes me feel special that, okay, I have a pastor. Um, it keeps me humble and it keeps I'll me. I'll give you a shepherd after my own heart, right? Yes. I know, right? <laughs> Jeremiah 3, verse 15. Yeah, well, really tell, tell them, tell them. <laughs> I Tell really them. love this All of them. <laughs> so it says, I'll give you, one, um, one transition says, I'll give you a pastor, I'll give you pastors after my own heart. And so it makes me feel special when I think about the scripture. And it, it, it helps me to honor 
the man of God that God has said over me. Amen. Because it's like, that's not just any man. And God did not just pick anybody at random. It's like, this is someone after my own heart. This is someone Amen. who is very special to me. Amen. So I'm doing you a great favor by giving this person to be um, your leader or Amen. your pastor. Amen. You know? So yeah, I just wanted to share Amen. that. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Celebrate Jesus. Amen. So very quickly, the book of Lamentations. Lamentations is from the root word, to lament. What does it mean to lament? To cry, to complain, to nod, to weep. Again, authored by Jeremiah. Jeremiah, at this point, is also called the weeping prophet. Huh? Why I come from, they call it Ekun Jeremiah. <laughs> Amen. Stamomi is not here. She perhaps would have echoed better for me. That's the lamentations of Jeremiah. And what you find in the entirety of the book of Jeremiah, don't forget that in, I mean, lamentations rather, don't forget that in the book of Jeremiah, they had not been captured. They had not been taken captive, right? However, from lamentations, they were already now held captive. You don't know what then happened to Jeremiah? Then visited Jerusalem and began to see everything in ruins. Oh my Lord, everything is gone. Everything is finished. We are doomed. We are, we, are, we, are, we are condemned. Finally, everything the Lord says he's going to do, he has done them. And when you take a look at verse chapter 1, verse number 1, you would understand the pain of Jeremiah in lamenting or in this book of lamentations. He says, how lonely. He began by questioning the state of things. He says, how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she? who was great among the nations. The princess among the provinces has become a slave. You know, it's a case of him, you know, walking down the street of Jerusalem and finding it hard to believe that the same very lively, bubbly, godly city is now lying in ruins. That summarizes the entirety of the book of Lamentations. In other words, Jeremiah was just weeping for the state of Jerusalem after the people were captured, you know, and taken captive by the Babylonians. Amen. So that's, 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 that sums up majorly, you know, the entirety of the book of Lamentations. If you take a look at verse 2 of chapter number 1, it says, She weeps bitterly. She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All our friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become our enemies. Judah has gone into captivity. Can you see now? Judah has gone into captivity. Under affliction and a herd servitude, she dwells among the nations. She finds no rest. Because there is no rest in Babylon. You remember how they were captured by the Egyptians too? They were slaves to the Egyptians, people of the Lord. It says, all our persecutors overtake her in dire straits. Verse 4, the roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to set feasts. All our gates are desolate. Our priests sigh. Her virgins are afflicted and she is in bitterness. I know the book of Lamentations, for some of you opening your Bibles right now, this perhaps will be the first time you'll be opening the book of Lamentations. And that is the reason why we are doing Biblio. 
to help you, you know, enrich your knowledge of the word of the Lord. Make it dearer to your heart. For you to have, I mean, we're doing like synopses of all the books. So going forward right now, when you hear, you never have to be thinking when somebody says, open to the book of Lamentations. You now have to be thinking, where's the book of Lamentations again? No. Right now you'd know. Jeremiah started lamenting immediately after he wrote the book of Jeremiah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, that's how you know. And lamentation simply means to weep, to, to lament, to cry, to agonize. Let's take a look at a couple of chapters, you know, in there. Chapter 3, 22 to 33. Chapter 3, 22 to 33. Now, this is a verse of the scripture you want to read? Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Mm. For his compassions never fail. Mm -hmm. They are new every morning. Great they are new every morning. Always new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Oh Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. So when you're always declaring and saying, the Lord's mercies are new every morning. You know what the Lord's mercies are new every morning means? The mercy for yesterday is not what you're waking up with tomorrow. Wow. You didn't catch it? You didn't catch it? So every brand new day, brand new mercy. Glory to Jesus. Every brand new day, brand new glory. Brand new day, brand new favor. Hey! The Lord does not dish out that which is stale. Brand new day, brand new favor. Brand new day, brand new. It says, for the mercies of the Lord. It says, version 2 says, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail now. 23 then says, they are new every morning. It says, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. The faithfulness of your God is exceedingly great. Hallelujah. And I love verse 31 of the same chapter 3. Verse 31 of chapter, th of of chapter 3. One line verse. I've meditated and taught you guys on this too before. It says, for the Lord will not cast us off forever. You hear me? The Lord will not cast you off forever. Also, oh no, he has left me. He has abandoned me. Oh no! His mercies are new every morning. For you to lay hold of the mercies that are new every morning, you must come to the consciousness that his mercies are indeed new every morning. So if you sleep last night in guilt and shame, you don't have to wake up tomorrow morning in guilt and shame. Why? His mercies are new every morning. So if the devil dealt with you, Last night, huh? you wake up this morning triumphant. Why? His mercies are new every morning. Your heart was broken last night. You wake up tomorrow morning rejoicing. Why? His mercies are new every morning. You receive the news that was not palatable last night. Tomorrow morning, you wake up, you declare, His joy is new every morning. Everything about him is new every morning. 
15, in Jeremiah 33, it says, as long as the night and day, they still exist. It says, only if those don't exist anymore, will there be possibility of my covenant, you know, with David being broken. Lack of epignosis, you know, solid knowledge, thorough knowledge of the word like this, is the reason why many believers, so-called believers, are tossed to and fro. Because you did not realize, okay, that his, 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 his mercies are new every morning. That no matter how dirty huh, you feel right now, you can go to bed, wake up tomorrow rejoicing. If his mercies are new every morning, because his mercies cannot be new every morning, and the guilt that you feel will be new every morning too. You can't take his brand new mercy or in the morning, and the guilt will remain. Glory to Jesus. For the Lord will not cast us off forever. Do you have any verse or chapter in Lamentations to just touch on? I hope somebody's getting blessed though. Celebrate Jesus coming on. Amen. Well, sir, the, the verse that I have highlighted here is chapter 2 from verse 15 to 17. Please read. So it says, all who pass your way clap their hands at you. They scoff and shake their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem. Is this a city that was called the perfection of beauty, the joy of the whole earth? Mm. The whole earth? All your enemies open their mouths wide against you. They scoff and gnash their teeth mm -hmm. and say, we have swallowed her up. Now, when I, when I read this, this um, verse, these verses, I know that, okay, the, the prophet is talking about um, Jerusalem. But then again, I realized that he's a prophet. And so just like David in Psalms, he was lamenting and talking about things in his own life. Mm -hmm. But those things were a reflection of Jesus on the cross. So when I read these this verses of the scripture, I can immediately remember Psalm 22, Psalm 27, when Jesus was on the cross. And when he was on the cross, how people looked down on him and say, is this, is this, is this the son of God? Or, um, you know, they said that if, they said that if you're the, if you're the son of God, then um, come down. You know, they, they mocked him. And so when I read this, this, this scripture, I'm immediately um, reminded of what Jesus went through on the cross. Amen. Just for me. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to Jesus. You know, I was telling you all earlier on about contemplations. Can you all please, maybe for the next couple of days, just contemplate on the fact that the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23. Would you make that your contemplations? You know, to just continue to just brood over that that simple fact. Huh? Just meditate more on that. Tomorrow, tonight, as you go to bed, tomorrow, just let it, just keep reminding yourself, just keep saying, His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. And as you contemplate on that, the Holy Spirit then begins to open your eyes, open up your spirit to all the things about Him, you know, that are also new every morning. His joys, His favors, His graces, His glories, everything new every morning. If you're done contemplating on that, would you also contemplate on Lamentations, same chapter number 3, verse 31. For the Lord will not cast me off forever. What does that mean to you? 
said it's not my word, it's God's word. He says, for the Lord will not cast off forever. Do you want to let us try that in another translation? Amen. Glory to Jesus. If you are watching at home, begin to get set for the Holy Communion. Glory to Jesus. Lamentations chapter number 3, verse 31. I love, I love, Mandoro Godoboshit. I love your presence. I love, I love, I love your presence. I love, I love, I love you, Jesus. I love, I love. Please, can you turn on his microphone for him? I just love your prayer. No, not you. I love. I just love. I love, oh, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love you, Jesus, I love, I just love. You know, the Lord is saying to me that some of you have forgotten how to love on him. You've lost the capacity to love on Jesus. But you see, tonight, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Amen. You will be broken. And you will sing that song from the bottom of your being. Hallelujah. Amen. NIV says, for no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Nobody. No one is cast off by the Lord forever. No one. No one. No one. Go contemplate on these scriptures. So let's go through to the book of um, um, Ezekiel. And by the way, I authored the book of Ezekiel because my name is Ezekiel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Joshua, don't beef. You think you're the only one that has a Hebrew name? Hallelujah. That's my middle name. My name is Adewale Ezekiel Tejumade. Yes. Oluwa Mayokun. Yes. So the Mayokun that my son bears is actually my name. Yes. Major May, the general. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. And you see, as I was growing up, I fell in love with the name Ezekiel. And because of my curiosity and, you know, my desire as a little baby, maybe seven, ten years old. I began, I knew that name was carrying meaning. My mom calls me Mayokun. She does not call me Wale. So I had asked why Mayokun, why does she call that between herself and my dad who gave that name Mayokun and why did they give the name? The full name of Wale is Ade Wale, meaning crown has come home. I'm from a royal home, meaning crown has come home. Now, as I began to grow, I'm trying to let you understand the weight of names now. As I began to grow, I felt my dad, from his other wives and even my mom, you know, 
they'd had, is it eight now? Eight children. Yes, eight, no, I'm the eighth. So seventh children. That's what happens when you're from a polygamous home. Not like three or two that you can easy peasily, you know, just, just know. And I, know, I, I then said to myself that how come it was on my turn that a crown then came to the house? You know what that did to me? It made me to know that I'm not an ordinary being. As a baby, as a little boy. So I went a step further, researched the name Ezekiel at seven years or ten years old. You know what that name means? The one God strengthens. That's the reason why you don't see weakness in me. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So the book of Ezekiel was written, authored by Ezekiel himself. You know, and named after the, the um, what do you call it? The major character, you know, in the book. The difference between the book of Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Lamentations is that Ezekiel was written after captivity. All right? I think they had actually returned. Or they were about returned. Or, I mean, sorry, they'd been captured. I told you Jeremiah, in Jeremiah, they had not been captured. That was a foretelling of what was going to happen. All right? But in Ezekiel, what you begin to see in Ezekiel, things that talked about um, returns, restoration, things that are dead will come back to life again. And I'm going to touch on Ezekiel chapter number 37, which I think because of want of time should be the only book, you know, in that, um, I mean, the only chapter, you know, that we perhaps should review, you know, in the chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel. Hallelujah, glory to Jesus. So that's the major difference. Jeremiah was written before captivity and then Ezekiel was written after they'd been held captive. So he then began to speak of God's ability to make something out of nothing for them. Amen. Glory to Jesus. So Ezekiel also forms part of the major prophet in the Bible that you find. Hallelujah. So let's see Ezekiel chapter 37. Or oh, before then, do you have anything? You want to make any contribution? Ezekiel. No, you must have. Otherwise, I would... Uh... Yes, sir. I actually have, but then it's... But make it quick. Yes, go ahead. Okay. Thank you, sir. So verse 40... Sorry, chapter 47, from verse 5 up until about 12. So it talks about the water that flows out of the temple. So it says from verse... Ezekiel 47, from verse 5. So it says, He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross, but the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. So when you read... When you read the from verse 5 to verse 12, it talks about this river. And then from verse 8, you begin to see that, oh, it flows to the eastern region. And then verse 9, it says, swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish, talking about prosperity, because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Let's just go to verse 12 because of time. So it says, fruits, trees of all kinds will grow on the both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, Amen. nor will their fruit fail. Mm -hmm. Every month, every month they will bear fruit because mm -hmm. water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruits will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Now this is what this, this particular um, book of the Bible did to me. Now you already know that we are God's temple, we are God's sanctuary. Mm. So then it says, 
the the reason why everything the everywhere the river flows everything there would leave the reason why these things are happening the reason why the fruits will serve as um, healing and all of that the reason these things are happening is because the water that flows there is from the sanctuary and we are at God's sanctuary okay so let's see um in the new testament let's see first corinthians 12 13 and then we'll see john 7 37 real quick first corinthians 12 verse 13. let's be fast time is gone you can yes. make it very quick yes so verse 13 talks about um for we're all baptized by one spirit into one body and then the last part says and we're all given the one spirit to drink and then when you see John 7, 37, it says that out of them, he that believes in me, out of them shall flow rivers of living water. So now you can connect Ezekiel 47 to 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and John 7, 37. So it means that the water that is talking about there is the spirit of God. So then we've been made to drink of the spirit, mm -hmm. which is the water. Then it says that out of their bellies shall not flow these rivers of living water. And Ezekiel 47 says, wherever this water flows, everything there will live. Mm -hmm. So what that does to me is, I cannot come into a place and the people there are dying. Mm -hmm. I cannot come into a place and then every, everyone is sick. I cannot be in my family and then people are dying and falling sick. No, because out of me shall flow rivers of living ah, water. Now, just to wrap this up real quick, how does this living water, how does this water flow out of me? When I speak in tongues. Mm -hmm. When I speak in tongues, you know, when you read Ezekiel, it talks about how the Lord would talk to Ezekiel and say prophesy. And then he will say prophesy and say to these bones, da, 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 yeah. da, da. Mm -hmm. And when you pray in tongues long enough, I don't know how many people have experienced this. When you pray in tongues long enough, words will well up from your spirit. Ah, you could be going through a challenge and then you begin to speak in tongues. And you find that you begin to say, this situation is solved. It is resolved in the name of Jesus. I will not fear any longer. It is resolved. It is resolved. Whatever is the case, it has been handled. This sickness is gone. This, those are the words of prophecy. Hallelujah. So when you speak in tongues long enough, those words, those that river of living water, it will flow out in words. And when you speak those words, it doesn't matter what is going on. Those words will calm the storm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory Amen. to Jesus. To just further, you know, seals what she just said. Ezekiel chapter number 37. It's perhaps the major chapter in the book of Ezekiel, you know, that you perhaps would have come across. Verse number, let me just read verse number three. As we partake of the Holy Communion, to just help our faith. It says, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? So I said, I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them. The Lord did not tell him what to do, what to say. The Lord told him that in the place, you know, prophecy is, is, is um, inspired utterance. So like you were talking about, you know, the, um, the, the overflowing, the living water, you know, of the Lord flowing in you, you know, especially when you engage the person and the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It causes you to begin to, to make some very dangerous pronounce, I mean, pronouncements and proclamations. Words will just be coming. It says, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, all dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to this bone, surely I will cause bread to enter you. To cut the long story short, as he was saying, as the Lord told him to say, that was exactly what is happening. So tonight, you have yet another opportunity, you know, to make good your path and your path with God. Same Ezekiel chapter 39 from verse 25. And I wrap up with this. Ezekiel 39, 25, from 25. 
Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob. Can you see? Thus says the Lord God, no, go back, go to this thing for me, please. 39 from verse number 25. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob. For you to know that of a truth, at the point when this book was written, they had been held captive. I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel and I will be jealous for my holy name. You know, in Psalm chapter 23, the psalmist says, chapter, chapter number 23, it says, for his name's sake, there are certain things the Lord will do in your life as a result of his name. Just for you not to throw that name in the mud. Because people already know you with the name, and if that which you desire does not happen, ah, if I let's see it, let me show you. Psalms chapter 23. We read the scripture many times, only a few have understanding of what they are reading. Psalm chapter 23, verse um, verse 3. Psalms chapter 23, verse 3. Let's have that on the screen and we'll bring it close. Glory to Jesus. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness. Why? Because of the sake of his name. Because of the sake of his name. This is for his name's sake. So that was why in the book of Ezekiel, it could say that I will restore them back to their city. He says, because I will be jealous because of my holy name. You know why? They've always been very precious souls to God. You get what I'm saying? But um, what do you call it now? Sin. Um, stubbornness. Yes, God bless you. Rebellion caused them uh, to break the edge. And because the edge God broke, what happened? The enemy swam at them. But for his name's sake. He restored them. Tonight, from this table, anyone experiencing some form of captivity, anyone going through some form of, a, of Babylonian experience or experiences, huh? because of the name of the Lord, tonight is your night of deliverance. I need you to just begin to pray now and just begin to worship the name of the Lord. Thank you so much, Sister Peace. Celebrate her. Please celebrate Sister Peace. Celebrate her. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. Lord Jesus, because of your name, deliver me. Open your mouth and pray. Lord, for your name's sake, set me free. For your name's sake, Lord, restore me. For your name's sake, Lord Jesus, make me whole. For your name's sake, let this disease never be found again. I have been called by your name, Lord Jesus. For your name's sake, Father, heal me. For your name's sake, do for me what no man can do. So that through me, people will know that you are indeed God. That Bible, that word says, it says because, and I will be jealous for my holy name. Say, Lord Jesus, over my affairs, get jealous of your holy name. Over my affairs, Lord Jesus, get jealous of your holy name. 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 Jeremiah says in chapter 15 verse 16. 
Thy words were found and I did eat them and it became a rejoicing of my soul. Why? Because Lord, I am called by your name. For his name's sake. For his name's sake. Lord, for your name's sake, rescue me. This Babylonian experience, Lord, I'm tired of it. Lord, rescue me, deliver me. From every form of captivity, if you know what the captivities are, tell the Lord about them. Mention the names. Mention the names. God bless you, Brother Larry. Mention the names. Mention the names. Sickness is a Babylonian experience because Jesus paid the price. Shame, stagnation in life is a Babylonian experience. And Babylon has fallen. Hey, God, when Jesus, when Jesus was nailed on the cross, Bible says the veil was torn, shredded into pieces. Babylon fell. Babylon fell. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. No believer should be under any form of captivity anymore. That scene that's taking you far away from the Lord, it's a Babylonian experience. That thought taking you far away from the Lord, it's a Babylonian experience. Every Babylonian experience, Babylonian experiences would cause you to be thinking that you're never good enough. That was why I sang that song earlier on. Ah, Jesus is enough for me. Jesus is enough for me. Jesus is enough for me. Walking like an elephant, eating like an ant, it's a Babylonian experience. Walking like an elephant, eating like an ant, it's a Babylonian experience. You do multiple jobs, yet you're paying bills upon bills upon bills upon bills. No service, it's a Babylonian experience. And Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. Not just did Babylon fall, Jesus gave you power and authority over Babylon. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. Babylon has fallen. This is your night of deliverance. This is your night to be delivered. This is your night to be set free and be set loose. Babylon has fallen. Every Babylonian experience comes to an end. Every Babylonian experience comes to an end. Every form of slavery, mental slavery, financial slavery, career slavery, health cell slavery, emotional slavery, they are cursed tonight. In the name of Jesus. Because of want of time, You're here under the sound of my voice or watching online. You've not accepted the Lordship of Jesus. It simply means you're in Babylon. Those that, that Babylon had no control over are those who've come to the knowledge of Jesus. Because the more you dwell in him, the more he opens your eyes to begin to see in the reality of your new identity in him. You're tired. You've done so much. Listen. 
Sometimes there is little or nothing someone can do for you to help you get free. You've got to be the one to choose to say no. My life cannot continue this way. I want to be free. And the day you choose to be free is the day you'll be free. A couple The day you say enough is enough. That's the day heaven kisses the earth over your fears. Many of you have been, you've been, you've been, you've been too, too, too free with the devil. Why are you playing in Babylon? Why are you playing there? What are you doing? Why are you singing the Lord's song in Babylon? Why has sin become to you like, like, like a food? Why? 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 Why are you singing a strange song in the Lord's land? Why? Why? Your opportunity is now. Your time is now. Since I gave my all unto Jesus, I've never had a better last year. If you want that to be your case, but you see, beyond giving my life to Jesus and recognizing that of a truth, he has empowered me. You know what I did with my destiny? I began to walk in the consciousness of that empowerment. And began to say to the devil, Oh no devil, not today. Not anymore. I don't belong there anymore. All eyes closed, all eyes bowed. Say these prayers after me. If you mean it, say it after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. For your word that's gone forth tonight. I repent of my sins. I'm tired of these Babylonian experiences. I desire freedom. I desire breakthrough. And I know that can be found only in you. And tonight Jesus. I pledge and confess you as the Lord of my life. From today and even forevermore. Fill me with your spirit. Saturate my heart with your love. And make me yours forever. Never again will I go back to Babylon. Never again will I go back to Babylon. Never again will I go back to Babylon. Because I do not belong there anymore. Thank you Jesus because I am free. Thank you Jesus because I am free. Thank you Jesus because I am free. By your blood tonight, I am delivered. In the name of Jesus. If you just said that prayer, I celebrate you in the name of Jesus. Welcome home. Welcome home. We trust God that this ministration blessed your life tremendously. Do share your testimony and experience with us by emailing us at hello at myloftyheightsglobal.org. For more life-transforming messages from our ministry, please visit and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also stay connected with us across our social media platforms at My Lofty Heights. To give to our ministry, please visit our website. We love you, we honor you, and we celebrate you.